Welcome back to the Daughters of the Moon podcast. We're grateful that we you can join us for another week. We absolutely are. And we are very lucky today. We have a special guest. She tells story. She is a psychic medium, professional certified astrologer, grief support counselor, and a law of attraction master coach. While she also has a business degree and comes from a corporate background, her heart is in the helping people now in her own business. She teaches people how to cultivate and trust their intuition, overcome grief, self-sabotage, and obstacles to live a life that sets their souls on fire. So welcome, Sheetal. We're really happy that, to have you on our podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited that you asked. This is going to be a wild ride. I can already feel it. Yes, I think so, too. So we're going to, so tell us a little bit about yourself just to kind of get started, how you kind of got on this journey and... Oh dear, that's a, that's a story. <laughs> um, so I was born with the ability to see spirit and, and energy around people so I can see aura. And as a child, I thought everybody was like this. Um, but I am, I'm East Indian. So I'm born to, I'm first generation Canadian, born to um, Malaysian and East Indian parents. And so being somebody that did not fit in in Canada, in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, was not something that I wanted. So at the age of nine, I used to have really bad you know, nightmares. And my mom said, you know what, if if it's too much, just turn it off. Just, you know, close the lid and, and turn off your gifts. And I did that at nine years old. I did exactly that. And totally normal life after that. I didn't see energy anymore. I didn't, you know, spirit didn't t- come talk to me. And I was never really scared by them. You know, I think you know, when you watch movies like The Sixth Sense where, you know, I see dead people, I just sort of felt like, oh, you know, there's somebody over there. Like they didn't really bother me. Um, and so that was was, you know, lived a totally normal life, went on to university, you know, got my university, my business degree, and then met the love of my life. We moved to Vancouver. Um, we had our first child. And at that point, um, my son was born with a lot of um, medical issues. So we had to move back to Edmonton to be with family. And then my second child was born three years later. And at that point, all of my gifts came back again. And I just started to see dead people really everywhere and I thought okay like it was bringing back memories of my childhood that I kind of like blocked out and at that point I knew I had to kind of look into it and so the more I kind of looked into it the more you know evidence came out that this was real and that I was helping people in a way that no one like that that I was wanting to, you know, that I had been longing to help people. I had tried, you know, in my, I had volunteered for um, different groups and charities and things, but nothing that ever kind of was sustainable for me. And so I always worked for, you know, corporations that made them a lot of money. And it wasn't until these gifts came in that I went, oh my gosh, this is it. This is what I'm here to do. And so the more, you know, that I kind of went down this path, the more teachers showed up and the more, um you know amazing gifts started to present themselves so i as as my mediumship ability started to develop i wanted to know more about my journey and found out a world-class astrologer lived here in edmonton and had a reading (laughs) with her that changed my life as well and then the more that i started to see clients the more i realized they had a lot of grief that was accompanying their pain and their losses that I needed to then put some structure around that, uh, that I then became a grief counselor as well. So I think one of the things I really, really love to do is helping 
and specifically women walking through soul pain, you know, and we see a lot of times in therapy and, and psychologists and you know, the world needs psychologists. So I don't want anyone to ever think, don't, you know, drop your psychologist. You need a therapist for sure. I think we all need therapists, let's be honest. <laughs> and um, that feeling of they don't they they deal with the mind you know we're missing that part of the spirit and the spiritual pain pieces of it and i think that really resonated with me which is why i chose to be certified in that area and so i do have the kind of the therapy and the psychology pieces although i'm not a psychologist um and then i have the spiritual piece of the mediumship and the intuition and the gifts and talents that come in with that and as we marry those two together with grief counseling I, I find that I just have the most amazing experiences. My clients have amazing recovery, you know, in ways that they they weren't able to see with the therapist. So it's been um, an interesting journey. You know, if you had asked me 10 years ago, are you going to be a grief counselor that helps women going through soul pain? I've been like, you're crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> um, but actually, that is that is where life has taken me. And I think these eclectic, you know, combination of skills, I didn't know they were going to come together in this way. I just kind of had to trust and uh, continue to walk this path but one of the things my my contract with spirit is that I must be able to take care of my family so you know financially that had to be possible everything everything worked out and actually at the beginning of the pandemic in March 2020 I was released from my job and wow. I, not, I have not looked back I actually just incorporated two years ago and it's been just an amazing journey of meeting the most amazing women, you know, going on to do wonderful things with their lives, even in the grief. You know, I think one of the things that we don't realize with grief is number one, every one of us is going to go through it. And number two, it is the biggest soul evolver you will ever experience. It changes everything in your life, everything, relationships, your body, your relationship with self, with spirit, your connections with all of your friends. Like it just goes through and really cuts away anything that's no longer serving you like nothing else ever can. So right. I just find grief so potent. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. <laughs> You're interesting. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that background behind you and uh, it shows in your eyes, actually. I just wanted to tell you that. Thank and you. Uh, it does very much so. Uh, so you live in Edmonton now? That's correct. Yeah, this is where I've kind of grew up most of my life. You know, um, I was born in Toronto and then we moved westward, you know, each year until my brother was born here in Edmonton. And that was kind of our anchor. We stayed here. So it's uh, I would say it's home. You know, I, we lived in Vancouver for five years, specifically Richmond and then South Surrey. Uh, and then we came back as as young married couple uh, to really set down our roots here in Edmonton. So was there something to do with grief that made you go on that avenue, like sourcing that out? I think for me, especially being a medium, I saw so many people going through grief and, you know, people don't come and see me when life is going great. Like, let's be honest. Right. And so that I love helping people that are moving through tough times and transitions in their life. That is something I love because I've always been able to illuminate the possibilities and the whys. Like, why is this happening? Because I think so oftentimes, you know, when bad things happen, especially if you don't live in this spiritual world, you kind of just are like, why, why did this happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? And when we start to understand 
what's meant to happen from here on how does this change you then you start to understand the gifts of this and it's it can be really difficult when you're in it and so i often say you know grief requires its time it will not be something you can rush you know and i know so many of us especially us a type personalities right ladies <laughs> everyone listening you just want to the fastest way through it and just like show me the the magic sauce that I can get through this really quickly and grief demands to be heard. It will not, it will not be rushed and it will not be, you know, coddled. It will, it needs its time. And so, you know, the tools and techniques I use is number one, I help you use the energy of grief, but you also need to find me at the right time, right? Cause if it's just happened or you're not spiritually inclined, then we're really not a match to work together. So it's something that's really important to me to find a good badge as well. So I, you know, I was finding that, um, I love helping people going through grief, but in the readings that I was doing, it was kind of like they'd come and see me and then they'd come back and see me a year later and then it would be, you know, same, same. And I was like, you know, we need to do some things here to help you really move through this, not just sit in it, you know, um, or to avoid it. You know, both of those things aren't helpful. So what can we do to help move through? So in my grief counseling certification, I learned lots of tools and techniques around it. And then I also have my master's in coaching which then gave me the the CBT, the NLP, like all the hypnosis as well. I'm a certified hypnotherapist, a therapeutic hypnotherapist. So that really helps, you know, I have lots of tools in the toolkit. And as things, you know, present, I get to pull those out to really support my clients in whatever way they need it. That's great. And you, and you said that, like, when we were talking just before we started, grief is not just because somebody passes. So can you explain a little bit of that to the listeners, like what grief encompasses and what we grieve as we grow older or go through different things? Yeah, I love that you mentioned that, Kim. You know, I think it's that any kind of transition, anything that we experience, we will receive grief, we will experience grief through it. So even like um, a, a wonderful new job opportunity where you're me- you're leaving this other job, there will be a grief because you might love the people that you're working with. And you're like, it's a wonderful opportunity and I can't believe I'm sad. And you're like, it's okay when something, we as humans need a lot of safety. And so when we don't have, or we've created this wonderful safety and now we're stepping into the unknown, there's going to be a, a, a unsafeness about that. So there can be a grief of leaving things behind. We can have a grief with, you know, loss of someone passing away. I mean, that seems to be the most common interpretation of grief, but it's not just that. It can be the loss of a job. It can be loss of an arm. You know, we saw that a lot with long-term COVID. You know, so many people lost the way of life. We saw that with COVID, period, right? There was so (laughs) much grief. And when it is not acknowledged, it turns to anger. And we really saw that in, you know, around the world, especially here in Canada, um, with things like the convoy, because there was so much grief that had nowhere to go. So it started to turn into this activism, into this way of like, see me for what I am experiencing. So when we don't acknowledge grief, especially as leaders, we really leave people to try to sort it out for themselves and they might not find the best outlet for that. So I think, you know, this grief, even with world events, you know what's happening around the world as things start to destabilize as we're going to see that happen more and more in 2024 is that there's going to be this feeling of loss of control or maybe not the ability to do anything about it or seeing images on the news that we are just so sad and we can't do anything that is grief 
right? Anytime, you know, and, and you sort of can recognize that you are in grief because number one, you feel sad or you feel angry. Both of those things are part of grief. And we don't, we often don't recognize that anger is a big part of grief, right? It is part of, mm -hmm. it's one of the beginning, beginning stages of grief. So when mm -hmm. we see someone is angry, they're actually in grief, but we think of it as like, oh, they're unhinged or, oh, you don't have control over yourself, especially in the spiritual world. You know, anger is kind of this taboo thing. Anger is needed. It is a must experience part of the human experience like it's you know we often talk about in the spirituality which drives me absolutely nuts between all of us listening is this ascending to the 5d i was like we are meant to be in the 3d you chose as your non-physical form to be in physical form to have this physical experience you cannot ascend to the 5d if you are in physical form and you're meant to experience the physical forms experience which is grief loss sadness joy happiness passion purpose you know all of these things are part of it and anger is an integral part of boundaries and of grief so yeah it's all needed and i think you know being in the spiritual world i see so much of this made wrong right you can't feel your feelings you're not supposed to be angry you're not supposed to, you know just optimism you know and positive your way out of grief and it's like no that is a band-aid and grief will demand you to see it and that's, that's the sadness so the anger yeah you, well, you, you put that well together when my husband passed uh which had a stroke um i got mad at him very normal and which was the only way that I could handle what was going on at the time. And, uh, you know, so I can see how anger can help you go through the processing because you need something to hold on to, right? That Absolutely. is going to get better, you know? Yeah. And that's, I think, the whole time when you're going through something like that, you're thinking, this will get better. Oh, my God, doesn't seem like right now, though. <laughs> and it <laughs> right? doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a, such an awful time when you've lost somebody and then to, you know, try to be positive. And so, Barb, if I may ask, at the time that you lost your husband, how did that go with the anger? How did you process it? What did you, you do? Know, it, it was so long. I didn't realize just how long I was angry and, uh, and that I was grieving all at the same time. But the anger helped me because I could think of reasons why uh, it was okay. You know, you can get over this because that's okay. Um, but it wasn't until like it like, was five years later. Five that years. I really realized that um, I had to start forgiving myself for <laughs> about being angry, number one. Yeah. Because um, that was really important that I get myself back first. Right. And so I had to start feeling more happy and things like that. So I started putting that into my life more so. And, and forgiving myself was a big thing and forgiving him too. I had to forgive him because the I was mad at him most for having the stroke and getting sick and leaving me like that. How dare he leave me like that when we had made promises to each other, right? That's right. So, yeah. So it took so long for me to go through that. It's like, will this ever go away and get better? You know, so I don't know, is five years a long time or is that an expectation for some people? <laughs> you know? How long were you married to your husband for? Uh, we were together 10 years and um, not a long, long time, but it was a, a very fruitful time mm -hmm. of my life. And uh, so I was very grateful for the minutes that was 
uh, we had, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. when you think of five years as opposed to 10 years, like, is that such a big deal? Yeah, you're right. It's not, you're right. I mean, you had 10 wonderful years with this man and then to fun. take the five years to then grieve his loss and come to a place of understanding within that loss. Yeah. I asked that of my, of my teacher. Cause I'm like, I said, I'm an A type personality. I'm like, how long does it take? How long can we, are we supposed to allow ourselves to be in this? Like, when is it too much for your client? Right? Like, I want to know when is it a nine one one that I need to like call in somebody, you know, and my, my lovely teacher. And she's just like, she tell like, how long is too long? How long does grief need? And I'm like, I don't know. You're the teacher. Tell me, like, how long does it need? I need a timeline. And she's like, grief does not have a timeline. You don't, there is no timeline. She said, what we can see though is unhealthy patterns of patterns that require support. So that is when you're not eating, when you're not taking care of your physical form, you're not showering, you're not grooming, you're not cleaning your house, if, especially if you have animals and you're, you know, the kitty litter is not being changed. Um, where you're you're not taking care of your appointments and things are just going un, unfinished. And she said, you know, that is when we start to understand it's depression, right? It's turned into yeah. deep depression. And that requires then um, like a professional to step in. And at that point, we would then have to alert the system to check on the person. Um, and the other part of that is men specifically have the hardest time in that department because they don't tend to share and they don't have a support system that will check in on them. Whereas women are more emotional, we have more supports that way. And there's, you know, there's, there, there might, I mean, it's not always the case, you know, but there's more ability there for us to kind of say we're not feeling good or someone will check on us and know, but men tend to isolate. As I mean, grief isolates, we isolate ourselves in grief, but women, we have so much more of a network that then sort of kind of adds as a bit of a safety net that will then right. kind of come in to check on us. So what I always say is if someone is going through grief, you know, I think we start to see in, in society, we've seen a lot, especially over COVID, that people can only meet you as far as they're able to meet themselves, mm -hmm. right? So if they're not comfortable with grief, and I think, you know, you would have seen this, Barb, that, you know, you talking about your husband or being mad at him, people who were like, oh my God, I can't imagine being mad at my husband, wouldn't come around as often, wouldn't call on you as often doesn't want to right. talk about that right they're not comfortable in that space and so they will not reach out and they will start to fall away and that's why i say grief is like the biggest you know sifter through your friends like who's going to stay and who's going to go because whoever's not comfortable talking about grief or being with their own grief will not be able to stay right they just can't so what did you notice with your friends then it was true because some people didn't know how to be around me because in the beginning I cried a lot and um and, and of course didn't want to show people I was doing it so much Kimmy saw it unfortunately for her too but um uh, you know a lot of the people just I was sad a lot I guess and I'm normally a, a fairly up laughing kind of person um but some of them just didn't want to go for the ride with me and, mm -hmm. and it was going to be just a ride but it was something I needed to do right and um yeah, it was it was very difficult. And some of them have never come back. And I don't regret that either, because I think that with anything in life, the people that stay in your life and want to be there no matter what are your real true um, relationships. I'll call it that. Are you open to a reframe on that? <laughs> How do you mean? 
So another way to say that is that the friends who were meant to come along on the journey did, and the ones who were meant to leave that chapter of your life did as well. Yes. That it wasn't a wanting, it was more of an alignment or maybe more of an ability because they didn't have the ability to travel on with you, right? If you think about now you're traveling, you've been traveling on this wonderful new, you know, wonderful ride and this beautiful car, and then all of a sudden the car breaks down and there's a mountain to climb to get to to help. And there are people in the car that don't have legs or don't have feet or don't have the ability to climb that mountain. Their journey with you now is done. They yeah. they must stay there. And you are now climbing this this mountain with people who are now with you on that mountain journey. So, you know, where I would um the the reframe is that the people, the friends who came with you on the journey up till your husband's passing, they were meant to be part of your story at that time. Their soul contract was meant to be only in that part of your life. And as your husband passed away, they were then to exit your life because they were not equipped to walk with you the rest of the way. And so they bid their farewells, maybe not in the nicest of ways, but then the people (laughs) who came with you, they were equipped for all the magic that was going to happen because they were able to meet themselves in those moments. Does that make sense? That does. And it also makes sense to say that because of that, it opened me up enough in order to enlighten me to meet other people Yes, that wanted to travel on that journey with me. Not that I was, you know, that kind of person that stayed in that all the time, but uh, met new people that enlightened me and uh, brought another sense of belonging to me uh, that made me wanted to go on, you know, yes. so those are the friends and I keep meeting new friends all the time, such as yourself and, you know, building that, uh, that, that, that most important part of what we're trying to develop as a woman anyway. And I think that it really opened me up as a woman and said, hell woman, you can do this. Cause that's what us women are about is to uh, raise up and, and qualify mm-hmm. for why we're here. Right. Well, I and think it, moment- you're, you're qualified because you exist, right? So yeah. there's no qualification, yeah. but it's more so that these people on this journey, you know, I, I met a, a speaker once that called it your assignment. So you have multiple assignments in your life, right? You have many things that you're meant to do and each assignment is gonna lead you to the next assignment, but these the friends that are meant to come to the next assignment will change because their assignment will change as well, right? So it's this beautiful dance of friends and people that come along and and you know those who no longer are qualified to come along to the next part of your journey they served a wonderful purpose and we can be so thankful that they did and then the next journey then these people you know they say a reason is even a lifetime right so friends will be with you for a reason for a season but very few for a lifetime very very few and we call those people family right because they they have no choice <laughs> right kim you have no choice you're That's on this right. journey for life yeah some of those fall off <laughs> yeah yeah and true some of those will fall off too yeah. because you're just no longer aligned or maybe that's your soul's contract in this lifetime is to say i'm sorry even though we're family i don't need to be with you in my life yeah um barb you also said something that was really interesting that i'd like to go back and revisit okay. you said to kim it was unfortunate that you had to see me in that Kim, did you feel that it was unfortunate? No, because that was a natural part of life for one um, with his death. I understood her anger because this is somebody that she had been with and had, 
you know, they had a little bit of a rocky start and then their relationship really bloomed and they brought out the best in each other. So when he got sick because he didn't take very good care of himself, I got the anger from her, why she was angry and why she was sad. And then, you know, in the beginning, um, Cause yeah, it was like, she was sad, but she wasn't sad all at the same time. So I was a little perplexed actually, <laughs> but I never felt, I never felt like that was a burden put upon me just because I'm her daughter to carry on and see that grief. It was more of a, can I be here? And I'll, I'm here to support you when I can. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I that's so beautifully said. Sorry, Barb, what do you want to say to that? She was, she was there every minute for me. It was beautiful. And it gives her, so it actually acts in a number of ways when we allow people to support us, especially our our children. Um, Number one, they get to see what grief looks like, right? So one day she will outlive you. And so she will have to go through grief in that way. And so understanding that it's okay to be angry in grief, you gave her permission for that to see you do it. (laughs) She didn't feel uncomfortable or that wasn't the right place. She understood why it was there. And so one day she might be mad at you as well. And yeah. you will come back as a spirit because she's a, a medium as well. That she'll be like, <laughs> mom's like, I'm right here. I never left you. What are you talking about? Right. Um, and then number two, it allows Kim to be in her purpose of being a support for you. So we often think as independent, strong women that doing everything ourselves is kind of the only way. We learn that that's actually a wound of childhood, right? That we yeah. have to do things ourselves and be independent. And, and of course, our parents want us to be independent. So we're kind of taught that at a young age. But when we become hyper independent, we don't allow anyone to support us. And then we don't allow them to be in their purpose in supporting us because they love supporting us too. So by allowing Kim to see your tears and to be there with you and sharing what you were going through, you allowed Kim to be on the journey with you and be in her gifts and talents and to be there for you as you were for her. So it's actually a really wonderful gift. Wow. Never thought of it that way, but thank you. (laughs) Thanks, Kim. (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome. Well, I think it's all a perspective, right? Because I I think that's the problem with some, not a problem, but it's a thing with this is, is we don't talk about the grief. We don't talk about, I'm angry, I'm, I'm grieving, I'm sad, I'm depressed, I'm, you know, I don't know, I'm losing my mind because I can't <laughs> handle the whatever it is. I don't think we talk about that. So we don't know that other person's perspective of that. And I think, I think for the whole, we've been conditioned that way that we, you know, we can talk about the nice things and the, you know, that stuff, but we don't talk about the grief. We don't talk about where that leaves us sitting. Yeah. And I think as a society, we're then ill-equipped to meet it in ourselves and in others in the world, because it is inevitable. We will all go through grief. So I almost think, you know, I saw my parents grieve their parents being as well, you know, immigrants to Canada and their parents passing away in another country. There was so much helplessness and being a support for my parents during those times, I got to see what grief looked like. And so being in those moments, I haven't been to very many funerals. I've been very fortunate that way that a lot of my people are still here, but that means it's coming. And so in those moments, I mean, as a medium, I, I experience loss in a very different way. I, I've been to a few funerals recently and we always, our loved ones always attend their own funerals, right? So I will always be able to see them there. I'm a clairvoyant. So I see them and I'm like, oh, they're right here. Oh, they're excited. Oh, they're 
they're they're trying to tell you, you know, um, so I can kind of be the translator. At, but of course, at the funeral is not the right time to be the no. translator because people are in their grief and grief, again, requires time. So, you know, going to a medium right after you have lost somebody is not a good idea. It becomes a crutch. I actually will not see clients up to six months to a year after the passing of their loved one because it requires it to be. It requires time, you know, we can't circumvent that. And if we go to a medium right away, there can be a loss of that, you know, going through things yourself, you know, and realizing how it feels within yourself versus having someone tell you how to feel or tell you what you're experiencing. You've got to just experience it. You know, so often I will ask people, how you feel about that? Have you felt their presence? You know, what, what about at breakfast? Have you felt someone sitting at the table by chance you know <laughs> i will get the nudge that that's how they come and visit um barb have you felt someone come to visit you at breakfast when you're having your coffee you me yeah you but spirits like to hang around me anyway <laughs> i'm talking and specifically I, about the love um, passed actually, away. about my past husband yeah he pops in occasionally it's interesting um and usually when it's something that i'm upset about and it's like he comes in at that time and, and drops a dime or something and says that's my little thing that says oh barb what are you doing worrying about this you know like you've got somebody here helping you they're showing up a dime in my shoe yesterday it was oh, like i love wow, that you really want to be noticed right so i mean um yeah um i i'm fortunate enough that i i could feel them and see them and and um and I'm so grateful, you know. Mm -hmm. But there's another thing, something we another conversation one time I wouldn't mind having with you and Kim. Um, is how you see spirits from the other side. Because I don't know about you, but people ask that of me all the time. How do you That's see interesting. them? So you know? I, I will sometimes see them as an external, you know, so I can yeah. like sort of see your husband standing next to you now, you know, um, so I can see that as well. And it, I also want to, um, may I, may I share something that he just wanted me to tell you? Yes, please. He said, just because I don't share a dime with you all the time doesn't mean I'm not here all the time. Ah. Uh. <laughs> okay so just because the dime is what like he said i need to get her her attention because she's so distracted all the time with all the things right that I, this is the only way i can get her true attention but his his presence is so loving and subtle that it's not always bam in your face right so he'll drop right. the dime to get your attention in those moments that he knows he needs to get the most but it's he's there with you more than you think is what i'm thank you very much. There. so thank sometimes you. i'll get the like when i first started um seeing spirit again like 14 years ago i would see them externally like standing next to you um and then i would yeah actually see them externally now i get more of the feeling combined with so i even got the thought that dropped in and i know it's not mine because i meditate and i know what's mine and what i'm thinking and i'm like oh that's not my thought for sure <laughs> that that's like she doesn't know i'm here all the time so i gotta drop this dime you know i'm like mm, that's that's not mine that is his yeah so that's how they'll get they'll get my attention because i have very strong boundaries with spirit I'm a mom of two. I have lots of things I do in the community. I have other roles that I play. And so I don't, I don't have this on all the time, right? I don't, I'm not kind of, you know, my light's not turned on all the time if you think about it. And so that way, so I, I will, if spirit wants me to say something or get something across to somebody, they will have to get my attention. And so in order for that to happen, they'll either have to 
like turn on a flight or have me smell something that just feels out of place or catch my attention in some way because my boundaries are very strong. And so when that happens, then I know someone is here. I will have, I will say to them one of two, two things. You can either get them. So let's say, you know, um, this lovely gentleman's here for you, Barb. And so I'll say to them, either you have to ask her, get her to ask me if I'm a medium or you okay. have to get her to talk to you, talk about you to me. That'll be my my thing. So that'll that'll be, I know that they have done their work to get you to me because it is not okay yeah. for me to just help myself to your life, right? I can't just okay. come up to you at the grocery store and say, by the way, I see this. <laughs> you know, it's not appropriate. Number one, no one's ever asked me. You didn't ask me, you know, there was no invitation. It's so voyeuristic. Like, why am I even looking, right? That's not okay. And, you know, I see this a lot with beginning mediums, beginner mediums, because they don't know how to control their gift. So it's just there. And they, they are so scared that if they have a boundary or they close the door or they say, no, I can't talk to you right now, they're scared that spirit won't come back and the gift will be lost. And I was like, a violin, a violinist doesn't lose their gift because they put down the violin. Like it's always there. It's contained within you. It's a soul quality. So you can put those boundaries in place with spirit and spirit can only come and talk to me inside of a reading or if they get my attention and then they follow those two things. So in the span of 14 years, I have only had spirit do that twice, twice where they've got my attention. And I said, okay, you tell them to then ask me if I'm a medium or start telling me about you. And then that will be my sign for, and then I always will ask permission. Like, I will just say, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't share that right off the get-go with every, you know, everyone to me, but, you know, I'll say I'm a psychic medium and I'm getting um, the nudge from spirit. I feel like what your loved one is here. Would you be open to receiving a message? And those two times they've said yes. Right. And it was a poignant time. Everything else is it's never come to fruition. It's not my job to manage that piece. Even though I'm an emissary for spirit or an ambassador for the spirit world, I cannot just be helping myself to everyone's life. And so I think we see that a lot on TV. And I think that's, it's not good. We don't, I mean, they do that for TV and they don't show that they asked permission ahead of time and people had to sign a waiver, you know, there's, and there's a whole storyline behind it. We don't see that on TV, but knowing I've known a few mediums that have had TV shows and there is absolutely scripting and permission slips and things like that happening behind the scenes. So it's, we're not seeing the truth of it on TV. So if, if there's any budding mediums out there, you know, please don't help yourself to people's <laughs> lives and have some strong boundaries with spirit, please. Yes, boundaries are important. And um, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, which is sw- switching back is, so with <laughs> grief, um, kind of a twofold question, like um, how do you kind of recognize in yourself that you are grieving? Um, and then what are some steps that you can take to kind of help yourself out of that grief? Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Great question. (laughs) I think when you're the grief comes, I mean, there's so many different faces of grief, right? There can be loss. There can be sadness. There can be anger. There can be, you know, disgust. You know, I feel like anything that pulls you out of alignment with your true nature, which is joy and and happiness and centeredness and connected when you feel disconnected there's something that's pulled you out of that alignment so 
And whatever has pulled you out of that alignment there, well, I'm going to say it's like, it's always going to be grief because there's a sadness and, you know, there's levels to it too. There's not like, not all grief is going to be, you know, a thousand percent, like there's going to be little sadnesses along the way where you're disappointed that someone didn't choose you or didn't call or didn't show up for you. There can be a grief in that. There can be a grief that you didn't win the lottery. You know, I mean, like, you know, every, every week when I check my lottery tickets, right? like, oh, I feel sad. And I mean, it's okay. That little sadness is like, you know, you bounce back the natural part, the natural spirit, the natural human spirit is that we will get ourselves out, right? We have the natural ability to get ourselves out of things. We will think of what's the, you know, okay, what's the worst case scenario, which is not a bad thing. You know, it's shoring up ourselves and giving us safety. Um, and then we can also kind of go, well, you know, on the positive side of things, I didn't die. You know, like there's a <laughs> meme on Instagram going around like, but did you die? You know, did you die? And you're like, no, I didn't die. I lasted through it. It made me stronger. You know, like all those things that we try to say to ourselves that makes us feel better. You know, we naturally self-soothe. Like, I think that's important to note that it's not, you're not broken. You have the ability to self-soothe and self-regulate. And, you know, when you need co-regulation, where you need to talk to somebody, that can be helpful. We, you know, we want to not be codependent where other people regulate you and you're not regulated unless you're with others. But one of the things to do, especially when you're feeling sad, and I think it's really helpful and it has to be pen to paper is to journal or to just even say, I'm sad because right? Just even start that, or I'm angry because, naming the emotion and saying because, because then we start to see the correlation and the connection. And if you allow yourself to go deeper, because there is always going to be, and I think Barb said it best, there's a self-forgiveness there, right? Like in that maybe you crossed a boundary, you allowed someone to cross your boundary or you're um you're sad you know like if i'm just gonna use the lottery as a super simple you know i'm sad that i didn't win the lottery because i really wanted the money to get out of debt because then i could help more people and be more generous and maybe i can find a way to be more generous now and i donate to a charity instead yeah. right like you can find your way out of the hole with the journaling um i actually give a framework in my grief uh my grief clients that i can share now as well is that it's called RAIN, R-A-I-N. Uh, and it was uh, a technique that I learned from a wonderful psychologist named Tara Brock, B-R-A-C-H. Uh, so she's a psychologist and she teaches mindfulness and she's a Buddhist uh, follower. And she's so calming and she helps people going through trauma and grief and finding self-compassion uh, in their grief. And so this RAIN is a self-compassion a technique to help people move through grief and move through triggers, any triggers that come up at all. So I, I, I'll kind of use it with my clients that are having a hard time processing things that keep coming back again and again and again. So the R in RAIN is to recognize. And so you want to name the emotions. And I find in, in our society, we have a really hard time naming our emotions, right? When I, my clients come on, I ask them to do a two word check-in. How are you emotionally feeling in this moment in your body? This is what I get. Good. I feel good. It's like, what does good mean? Does good feel happy? Does good feel fulfilled? It's like, what is good? 
what's good, you know? And so we use the emotion wheel. So you can actually Google the emotion word wheel. Um, and there's a number that come up. You can use one that, that feels aligned for you. And it really kind of breaks down the emotions into more and more and more nuanced wheel uh, words as you go out the wheel. So the middle will be happy, sad, bad, fearful, angry. And then as you go out, the words will get more nuanced. And then as you go out one more, it's more nuanced. And you'll just know so that's why I love the part of rain R is that you just go around the wheel and you're like, oh, I feel disgust. Oh, I feel let down. Oh, I feel sad. And you just allow yourself to, you'll just know. It's almost like you hit the right groove when you go around the wheel. So the R in rain is you name every single emotion that you're feeling on that wheel. And sometimes it's 26 and sometimes it's four, right? So you're just naming all the emotions. And I find that you're about 70% better after the R because you just wow. feel acknowledged, right? You just feel like this part of you gets to feel this and you're feeling these ways. So even if you think, Barb, you know, back to when you lost your husband that, or when he transitioned to the spirit world, you didn't lose him, he's still here. Um, but that those, all the emotions you were feeling as you go down that wheel, I think you would have been like, yes, I am feeling angry and yes, I'm feeling sad and I'm feeling lonely and I'm feeling, you know, disgusted that this was happening. He didn't choose me and just allowing all of those things to live there. Right. We often will just kind of try to skirt around them because it feels like they're not appropriate or we shouldn't be mad or, you know, he's dead. Like, why should I, why am I mad at a dead person? Like, obviously he didn't choose dead. And, and <laughs> I hear that a lot from my clients. I do. Yeah. And it's so normal to be angry at, at those who've transitioned. So then the next one, so R is just naming all the emotions. That is it. All the words. Then the I is acknowledge and allow. And so the acknowledge is that this part of you gets to be here. She belongs. This party that feels angry at her husband for not being here, she gets <laughs> to take up space. Yeah. She gets to live here and we get to give her space. Because so oftentimes, especially as women, but I think it's all, you know, also men, is that this part of us that doesn't feel stable, you know, that's angry or upset or grieving, we just want to feel good again. So we throw her in the closet and shut the door and say, shut up, don't say anything, just be quiet. I just want to be happy again. And she's like, but I want to be heard, right? But I'm, I'm going to be heard. You just wait, right? And as soon as you have a low moment, she comes out and she drives your bus and she's like, ha here I am, you know? It's not, it will not be, you know, grief will demand to be heard. So the A in rain is just to acknowledge that this part of you belongs. She has something to say or he has something to say and he or she gets to be heard now and give i almost sort of imagine like i put my heart a hand on my heart and say she too belongs and i imagine her standing and taking center stage in my mind and being able to speak to me now unfiltered unbothered really just speaking speaking her piece right. and then the eye in rain is now to investigate to go deep why do i feel this way Right. And so if we use Barb's example of I'm angry that you left me, I'm angry that you didn't take better care of yourself. And underneath there is I would have been angry at you for not choosing me because you chose to be sick instead. And yeah. I mean, it's not yeah, actually a, a conscious choice, but it that's was a choice. very huge. You know, that is very huge. And yeah. in, uh, in we're talking about because, yeah, you do think that like, what the hell? Why didn't Why you choose me? You take care of you. You know, yeah. like that's just dumb, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, totally, absolutely, exactly. And what I'll say to that too is we often will feel that with people with addictions in our lives. Yes. Why didn't they choose us, right? Why are you choosing the drug or the alcohol or, or the sex addiction over me? And there, you know, what I'll say to my clients every time is it is not conscious and it is actually not a choice they can make because this yeah. other thing brings them so much safety that they need it their mind is traumatized and they need it in a way that you are not that way. They know you will love them no matter what, but if right. they don't do these drugs, they will go down a path that they are not able to fathom where that will go. And they're so scared that they would have to choose that. Well, you know? I really like how you put that. Um, I really, really like it. In fact, I feel like what my intuition was telling me during that, was there something that you should be putting more public out there for people with the grief and what you're talking about with the homeless and all that they need you mm -hmm. people around that are working with these people need you to hear that yeah and it's hard you know i think that's why i love the work of gabor mate m-a-t-e he's really been a champion for you know not only the body keeps the score like that the energy i mean that, that that's a book that was written by someone else bessel van der Kook. but um gabor talks about how emotions are held in the body and mental illness and wellness are so connected that addiction is a form of medication Right. Yeah. It's not it's not something that they're choosing. It is it is medicating something much deeper. And if we don't heal the mental wellness and the emotional pain and the soul pain, then we are we will never get rid of addiction. Right. Yeah. So that's a whole other arm of society uh, <laughs> and a whole other ball of wax that no, I feel no, no. I'm not as qualified <laughs> to speak to. But yeah, it is connected. It is a grief. You're you know, you're absolutely right, Barb. And thank you for that download. Uh, yeah. And so the I and investigate is you're trying to get to the root of what the true wound is. And so the wound there for you, Barb, I I'm feeling like if and I, am I okay to share? Absolutely. Of not being considered. Yes. Yes. Of not being considered. Right. That, so, comes, that stems to in my life way down. Yeah. Okay. So that was only just another re reacquainting of that again in my life where I went, what the hell? <laughs> I didn't yeah. want that one back. Right. But yeah, it is identifying with it too and going, shit. No, yes. You know? Yeah. And that not being considered, you know, you you then will, as you evolve, you know, in astrology, we talk about evolution as a spiral up. And so right. as we're spiraling up, you now have a different vantage point to see this wound that continues to come up. So in the astrology, we call it the, the the wound the wounded healer is called Chiron uh and we all have Chiron somewhere in our chart chart so we will be you will be able to see Chiron in a new way at different stages of your life's evolution so even in your husband's passing you saw this not being considered wound come up and you might have worked through lots of it you know previous in your life already but it will come up again excuse me it'll come up again in a way that um you'll see it in a new way yeah. so as you're and as you see it in a new way you get to heal it in a new way right so you have this ability you know i always hear from my clients like when will i be done when will the healing be completed and i'm like if you're in human form it's never completed and so you know can you find the joys in the pockets right i think one of the things we don't want is to be constantly in the healing i hear that a lot from spiritual people too i'm in the healing i'm in the work i'm like when are you in the joy 
When are yeah. you actually enjoying life? When are you not yeah. in the work? Because we have enough time to be in the work, right? Can you be in the joy too? So the I and investigate, you want to get to the root wound, you know, where, what is that really for you that you are feeling and experiencing in this situation that's mirroring back to that old wound. And sometimes that can be hard to do by yourself because you're like, I don't know, what's my root wound? And like, well, what, what did this make you feel like? And then what did you feel? And then how did you feel? And you got to really go deep into that space. So that's why working with a counselor, a grief therapist is, is really important in that way. But sometimes you can get through it to your own self. And then the N in RAIN is to nourish. It's to nourish your spirit, nourish your little inner child or nourish this part of you that feels sad. And what can you do to bring her safety? So maybe that's um, doing something that feels good for her. Uh, one of my clients actually evolved this and gosh, I just have the best clients. She's like, I wrote myself a letter, she tell, and I put it under the N in nourish. I was like, oh, brilliant. And what did you say in the letter? She's like, I gave her a pep talk from my best self to let her know that she was loved and safe. And so it's actually what I changed nourish to now is to actually feel like you can write this part of you a letter that says it's okay for you to be angry. It's okay for you to, to be sad that you've lost this person and all of these feelings belong and you're allowed to feel this way and just know that I love you and I'm considering you now and I've got you. So the parts of you that are missing, you've got to give it to yourself because the healing does not lie outside of you, right? And this is for anyone who's listening that's had awful things happen to them at the hands of somebody else, is that your healing is not contingent on that person saying, I acknowledge you. I'm sorry I did that. I can't believe I was such a dick, you know? It's that, no, it's actually, I get to do those things for myself. I get to belong because I belong to me. I get to be considered because I consider me. I get to heal because I heal me right? Your healing is never outside of yourself. And I often will hear that from my clients that are like, I'm going to hold this until I'm acknowledged for how hard I've worked or how much I've done for my family or how much this person hurt me. And I said, and I want to ask you, who is that hurting the most? It's you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So grief is yeah. very nuanced. You know, I don't know if you like, there's one big, you know, red flag indicator that you are off track or that you are in grief. But I will say that when you're not in joy and you're not in alignment, you're not in connectedness within yourself or within your community, there is likely a grief that's there. And you and can I use think, rain to help that. I think too, uh, this year, because you, you, it's very profound where we're going with this sort of, I find, but I find what I want to say, this is for people that are, falling out of relationships um it keep kept coming to me sort of thing like people don't realize just how much they grieve when they come out of a relationship and and if they don't grieve it then that's a bad thing and they never they seem to take them forever in order to move on to their next life sort of thing um because i mean it was meant to happen right or it wouldn't happen absolutely and you know the grief i always say if you don't heal the grief you'll date it <laughs> like you're you know in a relationship if you don't heal it you're gonna date it and until you heal it so there's something when a relationship dissolves it can be one of two things that it was time i mean it's always time to move on from that relationship but there's something meant to be learned there right so if um like you're a serial dater and you're you keep dating or you keep being in relationships i i recently had a client that had been engaged four times and every four, every time it exploded at the last minute. And it wasn't by, it, sometimes it was by her, sometimes by the other person. 
but there was this explosion where they're no longer talking and and it's like four times and she's like she tell i finally realized it's me <laughs> and i was like it was you from number one you know um but, but i mean that's not a bad thing it's that we understand that there's something in us that's pulling in these experiences to help heal it right the world is just a reflection of you and so um, i'll use the example of me like everyone i dated when i was young cheated on me every single person and i was like what is happening and i can't believe this and men are the scum you know and it was it was everybody else's fault but mine and i was home from university to, um I, I, the word i'm looking for is studying studying for an exam and i was watching dr phil back in the day um when he was new you know and so i was watching dr phil on tv and he had these four women up on on the stage and they were brilliant beautiful women high-powered ceo model you know actress um someone who was high up in their company and he said tell your story including your relationships and each one of them had been cheated on each one of them marriage dissolved relationship dissolved all because of cheating and he said okay ladies so what's the common denominator and they all looked at each other as like us like the cheating was because of us because we did it like we pulled it in and I remember sitting there going it's me I'm the problem it's me you know that Taylor Swift song I'm like it's me oh my god how did I pull this in and I went on this massive soul journey to kind of understand why did this happen what was happening and I actually like pulled out a piece of paper and I went okay the first boyfriend I got why did he cheat on me? What happened? What was the outcome? Second, third, fourth. And as I, as I went down, I'm like, each one of them, I had lost myself in the relationship because I so desperately wanted them to like me. Like so desperately just wanted to be chosen. Okay. That's one of my wounds. I wanted to be chosen. And so as that as I realized that I was worthy and chose to be chosen and I'm no longer going to give my, my, um, identity away. I'm no longer going to lose myself. And so I went on a sabbatical, uh, a two year journey of dating anyone and everyone I wanted and never losing myself in the journey. So it was really important to me to, to just date everybody and do all the things I wanted to do and be me and, you know, damn what society thinks of me. I'm just going to do the thing. And the next person that I seriously date will be my husband. And I will know it because I will see it in his eyes. I will know it's mine. And yeah. I did on a two-year journey of dating everybody and oh my gosh it was so much fun and then I met my <laughs> husband and I, I knew <laughs> yeah when I met my husband I knew that I was going to marry well I kind of knew but my mom knew <laughs> you're going to marry this man she said and I'm like oh mom you don't know my mom's a, a psychic as well and I was like mm, okay maybe you do know and on our wedding day she said remember when I told you you don't want to marry this man like yes i remember mom yes you told me so moms okay <laughs> so so yeah it was interesting because it wasn't if it wasn't for that dr phil show to show me that it was me that it was i was the problem and that i was losing myself and that's why these men never saw themselves you know it couldn't see me because i didn't know who i was right and so the more that i lost myself in relationships the less they wanted to be with me which made you know makes sense when you think back on it so yeah that was my one and only goal in every relationship was to never lose myself and you know to this day bless my my beautiful husband he did not marry a psychic medium right and <laughs> and as i bloomed into one he's like i don't know what this is 
<laughs> but I love you. And I know you're not going to do something that would jeopardize our family. So I'm all in. I'll support you in anything that Very you do. Nice. And he's been my biggest supporter. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's uh, that's amazing. Well, you've had so much information. What What is one piece of information or advice or one thing that you'd like to share with the followers that you think is poignant for them to hear? Well, I'm getting a download of two things. So one is that trust your intuition, but use discernment. So it's like, we're not just like, I'm getting the nudge that I should go to Portugal. And you're like, okay, but do you have money? Like, do you have a plane ticket? Like, how are you going to get there? Do you have somewhere to stay? You know, so like, let's use discernment with our intuitive downloads that we're getting, right? And and allow to have safety in our intuition. And then number two, allow yourself to feel your grief with support, with support. Like, we don't want to just be sitting in this grief, you know, shit pile, let's be honest, right? Grief can yeah, feel like yeah. that, you know, let's have some frameworks around it let's have someone to support you let's reach out you know i i would be happy to support you but i'm also like i said before very discerning with who i support because if you have deeper trauma ptsd you know sexual trauma that is not in my wheelhouse and i want to make sure that i have the skill set to support the people that need me so yeah so it's uh it's important to find support and help and like i said everyone needs a therapist like everybody we, we are not meant to do this alone and and, you know, to have people that have these gifts and talents to support you in the ways that make you feel really good and aligned, you know, sometimes it's not just your friends, you know, you do need somebody who has more um, skills and abilities and went to training for it. Uh, and not all therapists are created equal either, right? So just because you had one therapist that wasn't great or they didn't see you doesn't mean all therapists are like that. So give someone a try or, you know, if you think that working with me is something that you want to do, reach out to me. I do book out about three, six months in advance. So it's hard to get into my calendar, but um, the, the right people always find me at the right time is what I'll say. That's so. perfect. And so speaking of that, how can people find you? <laughs> that was uh, <laughs> I love that. So I am psychic. Um, so there's um, the easiest way to connect with me is on Instagram. On Instagram, I'm she tells story. Uh, so just my name. Uh, and then or she tells story.com. So I've got I'm going through a bit of a revamp on the website. And it's so interesting, you know, my number one booked item, um, where I'm booking out into March, well, a few years out, because I know we're, we're this is going to air a little ways away into the future. But um, my grief counseling is not currently on my website. Oh, wow. Isn't that funny? <laughs> it's so interesting. You know, just, yeah, I just talk about it on Instagram and I, I get a lot of referrals from other grief clients that have gone through or have been through my intuition classes or my mediumship classes that they just know that I also do grief. And so that um, it's one of the things I love to do the most truly is helping women going through grief because the rewards on the other side and how much they change and how strong and sturdy they are in themselves. Like even Barb seeing you, you know, now versus where you were then, like how much has changed and how much truth you are, you know, you know, within yourself now without a shadow of a doubt, it's so right. beautiful to witness. I just, I'm so honored to be on that journey. If that is who you're called to, you're called to walk thank with you. me on it, but yeah, my yeah, website thank and Instagram. Thank you. We will do that. <laughs> we will do that. And we already do. <laughs> well, well, thank you for having me on. This is oh, been so thank, lovely. Yeah, thanks for joining us and sharing space with us. It was amazing. We'd love to have you back on some other time. And we would love that. 
talk more because you just you're just so inspirational and I think people will really get a lot out of that because I think it's something that like I said we don't discuss enough um in society and I think it's important that we do and I think if I was to give some advice to anybody not that anybody has but it would be to talk more (laughs) about grief and talk more about our emotions and know that talking about our emotions is not a bad thing it's it's we need that to work through what we're going through we do and I think women I think two women need to acknowledge other women better like when we see another woman smile at the other woman so many people I I smile a lot of people and I find that women oftentimes I smile at them and it's like they're looking at me like why are you smiling at me it's like aren't you happy today (laughs) because you're just alive but I mean but I, I find that they could smile at a guy or something like that, but they don't acknowledge just women as we're meeting them. And I they need to do all that. The time. As you can probably tell, I smile through this entire thing. <laughs> I smile all the time. It's funny because it's one of the things my husband says. It's one of my best characteristics is my smile. Because I yeah. just smile at everybody. I walk down the street and I smile. I'll say hello. I'll yeah. say good morning. And it's disarming, you know, and it's fine. I don't care if you can't receive it. I'm going to give it. I'm going to send it out to the world. And people will eventually get used to it and go, oh, somebody smiled at me today. That might change my life. But you know, what oh. I'll say to you, what you said, Kim, with sharing your emotions i'll say share it in the right rooms share it with people that can hold them because if you're sharing them with people that's when they call it tmi right and i love when people go i think this is tmi i'm like there's no tmi with me you tell me all things you're having problems with your bowel movements tell me i'm good you know i'm a scorpio rising i can tell all i can hear all the things and it doesn't bother me at all so share it in the rooms that you feel safe to share them in absolutely that's perfect well, thank you again. It was wow. uh, it was so much fun sharing space with you, and yeah, just thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. It was so fun. Come back, come back and see us, okay? Absolutely. <laughs> and everybody else, tune in next week. You betcha.